0: Welcome back to the Middle Tech Podcast. My name is Logan Jones. I'm sitting here with Evan Knowles recording out of the Awesome Inc. Studio. Uh, We just sat down with Kendall Y. Um, But before we get to that, we want to talk a little bit about this uh, App Harvest event that we posted a little bit about on our story. We got to go to the ribbon cutting and listen to Jonathan Webb and a couple uh, politicians and investors talk about this grand opening of the App Harvest facility. Um, It was awesome. It was a really cool experience for us. It was super inspirational.
1: You know, Jonathan's very... Uh, inspirational guy, very passionate guy about what he's building. Uh, but hearing so many of the other people involved uh, get up there and speak about the project was really great to see. Uh, and then we got a tour of the facility and the facility is, you got to see it to, to really believe it. It's one of the biggest buildings on earth. Um, they built it in like under a year, which is pretty crazy. Uh, but they showed us like all the technology and all of the, uh, you know, different ways that they're growing the plants and then packaging them and then sending them out. Uh, it's a pretty cool operation, um, and so hopefully they start giving tours to the general public, you know, once they
0: open. But uh, it, was, it was really cool; it was a really awesome event. Yeah, and you mentioned that it's almost like an Elon Musk built type building. Like it, it took that type of vision to make this happen here in Eastern Kentucky. Um, pulling that many people together and that much funding together. So that was, uh, I caught that uh, when you were talking about it to Kendall and man, it's, uh, it definitely is. So we're super excited to see them getting underway. They also just broke ground on facility number two, which is just, uh, you know, full steam ahead, keep going. The same same facility in Richmond, Yes. Yeah, yeah, mind blowing. I know, so that's pretty awesome. Um, aside from that, uh, as I mentioned, we're here in Awesome Inc. So we just wanted to mention one more time that Five Across is coming up this week. Uh, so on Wednesday, the 28th, They're going to be having five across at Legend Stadium at 5 p.m. that evening. Um, So we definitely encourage you guys to go to that. They made us a code to get 100% off the ticket. So that's Middle Tech Pod. If you guys use that code when you register, uh, you can attend for free. Um, So that's definitely an event we would recommend checking out. It's outdoors, COVID safe, COVID friendly. um, So be sure to go and support some of the local entrepreneurs that are going to be pitching at that. Um, so now let's, uh, let's dive into this episode. So we sat down with Kendall, uh, who's a good friend of yours, um, and we just had a, a pretty general discussion about technology. Um, we got deep into AI, we got into Tesla, um, and we got into quantum computing and all sorts of other things. And it was a really another tech-heavy um, episode, which is one that I love sitting in and, and joining the conversation in. Um, and this one's a little different from uh, the conversation that we had with Ethan, a little bit. Um, but yeah, just in terms of the the topics that we discussed. Um, so we talked a, a lot more about artificial intelligence, which is something that I want to dive into yeah. a little bit more here. Kendall studied that um,
1: in college and, and still studies that to date. Uh, and we looped that into like how that relates to Tesla and, um, and some other things that I'm sure you guys are familiar with. And just wanted to kind of put it all out there as far as artificial intelligence goes, that um, as much as we could this episode, um, and, and just try to provide a better understanding of, of what it is and where it's heading and how soon it's going to be here. Uh, Because next thing you know, uh, in the next two, three years, Tesla's going to have cars without even a person driving around in them. Um, So it'll be pretty crazy. We wanted to make sure
0: we we talk a bit about that because Kendall uh, knows a lot about that. So it was was a good discussion. Yeah. I mean, one of the things we mentioned in the podcast is this wave of automation and artificial intelligence uh, that's coming. We feel like the only way for, I guess, humanity in general to really deal with that is through awareness and knowing what's about the what's about to come because it's going to be a pretty huge disruption. Um, we toss around some different ideas about what what needs to happen uh, to ensure that you know everyone doesn't get completely displaced and, and put out of place by this automation, artificial intelligence. Um, so, really cool discussion. We hope you guys enjoy. We're going to go ahead and dive into it.
1: What's going on? Welcome back to Tech Podcast. You've got Evan Knowles and Logan Jones here. We're sitting down with my buddy, Kendall Y. Uh, we've become good friends the past year, so I'm looking forward to this conversation. Uh, we always try to have you know extremely intelligent people on here, um, and Kendall wow. is definitely one of the more intelligent people I've, I've met recently. Very flattered. Uh, I've been uh, lucky to get to know him this past year. We're working on a project together. Uh, we're looking forward to diving into your background and just talking about some random topics. I want to treat this more like, uh, for those of you that listen to the Ethan Gill episode. Uh, just wanted to be a conversation. You know, we'll dive into specific topics that you know you have experience in and uh, your your background. But you know, with when it comes to developers and, and smart people like you, there's so much to talk about. And just want to cover a broad, yeah. broad range of things. Yeah, I'm not
2: a, I'm not your, your usual guest. So yeah, it's a little bit of an unusual. Yeah,
1: but I mean, we're trying to get you know more developers on here. Um, you know, we've got some things in the work for developers. You know, that's a little hint for for 2021. Uh, a little preview of what's coming, but, um, yeah, I mean, developers are, you know, very skilled people that, you know, I frankly don't think get enough attention, especially here in Kentucky, right?
2: Yeah, developers are not uh, traditionally um, the best uh, at speaking either. That too. <laughs>
1: we had
0: a conversation so, about that so today, actually,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the yeah. unique thing, like, Sam Marks, Ethan Gill, you know, you, like, there's, there's definitely developers that have that skill, and it's rare, and that's why, you know, I think you guys are some of the more successful developers, and it just shows, so... Hopefully that comes out in this conversation. I'm sure it will. Um, well, let's just start uh, where we usually do. Uh, where you're from? Where are you from? And let's dive into you know, your education
2: and your professional background up until this point. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, so I'm a Kentucky native. I'm from Louisville, actually from Oldham County, um, which is like a little bit outside of Louisville. And it was pretty quick for for me to realize that I was very good at software. Like I was really good at programming. So I knew I wanted to do computer stuff in in high school. Um, And uh, so I went to, I ended up going to UK Um, and at at first at UK, UK I started out as a computer engineer Um, and I, I actually struggled a lot with computer engineering primarily because, because it computer engineering, for those who don't know, you have like three different types of like computer ish engineering degrees. You have electrical computer and computer science and, computer engineering sits like somewhere in the middle between hardware and software. So my outlook, my naive outlook is like a 18 year old was like, you know, if you can do both, then you're the best type of thing. Well, it turned out like I, I wasn't very good at heart hardware. I didn't really particularly enjoy it. Um, and so I pivoted to computer science and, and uh, it actually opened a lot of avenues for me because it's um, the, the, the curriculum was less rigid too. So I had a lot more elective hours. Um, but yeah, so, continued on the software engineering track and got an engineering internship at Appris, which is a local giant in Louisville. Um, that was, like, a big turning point for, like, my development career. That was the first time, like, I started really programming and being like, okay, like, this is serious. Um, then my senior year in college, I got uh, offered a position at, as a research assistant to Dr. Brent Seals, which is the chair of the computer science department, which is a... I was working on a like a really cool machine learning project, so I got exposure into machine learning, artificial intelligence. Um, there's a lot we can talk we'll about. Lots of diving, oh in gosh, a little while, the, yeah, yeah. Tell can get the the, deep, yeah. Deep, the, deep. I really want to go into the AI stuff, um, but uh, so th- that gig, like, it's just like it's really cool because like each job that I've had has been like progressively better. You can feel your
1: brain just, like, yeah, and you can like stressed out or like getting like stretched yeah yeah I
2: mean. like it's like growth it's like yeah. this growth factor and you're yeah. like you're like whoa like i'm learning all this stuff um and so then i i tell the story i graduated on may 7th 2017 and then i started work at el toro in louisville on may 8th yeah and the,
1: and the fact you went from apris to el toro which are two the two top startups they're not startups anymore two top tech companies in kentucky is pretty badass
2: yeah i actually didn't know at the time that how how successful they were um but uh but yeah, they were, so Altura was really cool because like a startup and like sort of startup-ish environment. Yeah. It was pretty large by the time I got there. Like there was already like 50 employees and they were scaling their engineering like out the wazoo. Like uh-huh. half, of, half of the employment was engineers or more, probably like two thirds. Um, so Altura was really cool. I That was my first like junior engineering job. Um, I did like a lot of backend engineering, like AWS cloud platform engineering. And then... Yeah, and then eventually I got recruited by my current employer, which is KFC Yum, and uh, I've been there for three years. So. Yeah what what were
1: your takeaways? You know from you know either from both Appris and Toro. Like, what were your biggest takeaways from being in those environments at that time?
2: Yeah, Appris was um, Appris was like there was a turning point in my life with Appris where I was like, oh my gosh, if I because I, I struggled in college the first two years, and Apris was like a at, was at that inflection point where I where I realized, oh my gosh, if I if I actually can can do this, like I can live a really good life as an engineer. Because Apris was this amazing company. They're by that time they had like 300 employees, yeah. And you know, like you get like great benefits package. They're great. a billion dollar company today. Yeah, they're massive. Yeah, they're like very episode
1: lush. 100. We had them on. Yeah, you, anybody listening? Yeah, Mike Davis. We had the CEO and founder on there.
2: Yeah. And the people at app are really fun too. I had, I had a ball there. Like it was just a summer internship. I wanted to stay on. They wouldn't let me. Um, but uh, yeah, that was awesome. El Toro was, a, was very much sort of like, like app was a startup at one point by the time I was, there it was more corporate, more enterprisey El Toro. Whenever I started, there was more startup. So it was a little more like cutthroat, like pretty competitive. The, I, I'll say at, at, at El Toro, um, there was less structure But like the senior engineers were like very good. Like they were like, it's like you look up to them and you're like, I want to be as good as they are, type of thing. Whereas like Aperus was much more structured and like you already had, you had like uh, players in their position um, that were like uh, playing their role versus like this more like, amorphous like a landscape like more horizontal
1: at at el toro not not as many layers yeah you saw exactly how good everybody was
0: because you worked alongside you could interface directly with
2: like a senior engineer and they they can just blow your mind yeah yeah makes a ton of
0: sense do you feel like you got better experience in that kind of environment versus people who are kind of in their own roles
2: um it's hard to say i mean me personally i think that i did a little better under the structured environment but um i'm kind of like i'm 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 a jack of all trades. Like I'm, I kind of want to put myself out there and experience all the, ver- the various things. Um, I, I think that's, uh, just depends on, on the, on the person.
0: Yeah. So then you left there and you ended up being one of the first developers at, at KFC young brands.
2: Well, I wouldn't say I was, I'm one of the first, but, um, well, yeah, like inter- enterprise companies these days have a lot of digital initiatives. So, um, yeah, I, I, unfortunately I can't say too much about what I do at KFC just because it's you know employment agreements. But. Right. So
0: let's just talk more on like an enterprise in
2: general level yeah. being an enterprise developer. I'm yeah. sure that's
0: a pretty big transition from working at a tech company kind of startup.
2: It was it was for sure. Um it's it's a lot it's a lot more structured but um like the, the thing I'll the thing I'll say about enterprise environments is that like in today's in today's world there's this, there over the past decade Technology coming out of Silicon Valley has been like just like crazy, like crazy growth, like exponential growth from, from Silicon Valley and the startups. But it, up, up until about the past two to three years, it hasn't really bled into a lot of mainstream industry. And so in today's world, um, all that tech is sort of emerging into all facets of industry. Um, be that as like archaic and legacy as you can, as you can get like, imagine like um, oil things like super banking, you no, know, fintech is like disrupting things. Healthcare, healthcare, like the most legacy of industries that you education. Edu- yeah, sadly, that's legacy. Yeah, that is sad. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. So it's it's um like there's this a tremendous opportunity in today's world for enterprise uh, digital developers. Yeah,
1: the enterprise space is just super interesting. I love the idea of of building applications for large, like gigantic, high stakes businesses. Like like learning that space was. Was super fun for me, um, and being in that space and, and you know working uh, with those companies, you know if you, you mess up, there's a lot at stake. It's a know? high stakes game. It's yeah. very high stakes. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't you couldn't do um, anything to really embarrass your brand because it's an enterprise. It's a very large business. They could just go to the next guy, mm-hmm. um, and and they also can't make big mistakes because they are gigantic businesses that have tons and tons of customers, millions of customers. In, in Yum Brands' case, billions. Mm-hmm. You know, they it's a very they large really, company. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, if you mess something up there, uh, it's bad. But also, if
2: you do something right and you build a solution that they want, the upside is gigantic. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's it's kind of one of those things that I think it's neglected a little bit. The, the, the perspective is a little neglected because pe- there's a lot of like the S- Silicon Valley and startups is very shiny and it's very like. On, you know, modern brand, it's like, you know, it's cool, it's fun. But I do think that there is a tremendous opportunity with the enterprise uh, world that, that is often, I think the perspective is neglected.
1: Yeah. yeah. I think it's a, it's also, it's not a vastly different skill set, but having that kind of pressure on you forces you to, you know, get your skills up fast. Yeah, That's why, you know, in, at Fuji, we were definitely playing in the enterprise space, but it wasn't, we weren't structured like an enterprise business. We weren't selling like an enterprise business. We weren't like treating, we didn't,
2: we didn't approach it like an enterprise company. Well, enterprise companies probably liked you because you, you brought more of a startup vibe, Yeah, but you
1: were working, those are your clients. And and I wanted to move from, from Fuji to something like Avail that was building a large enterprise high stakes software for, you know, businesses. In that case, it was uh, the biggest architecture firms in the world. And that sales, like learning that and seeing that side of the world in the enterprise world was just completely eye opening. and getting those both perspectives, I think, um, you know, it's important, but the enterprise space, I, I really enjoy it. I could talk about that for, for a long time. And before we dive into like the, the artificial intelligence segment, I would love to just get your, your thoughts on what actually is technology in your eyes. Like from a, like take a step back when somebody asks you the question, you know, what is technology and why should I care? Like what's, what's your answer to that? Because I think that's kind of, you know, leads up into where it's actually going, which is artificial intelligence.
2: Yeah. So this is, I mean, I love like sort of philosophical questions like this. Um, yeah, because most people describe technology as like your smartphone or like your computer. Um, but so most people use the word technology as like a noun, as like it's this thing that exists. My perspective on technology is more of like a verb, like it's more of like this thing that that is applied to to like the real world, um, like as an action. So. In a hundred years, you know, we, we may not look at a, an iPhone or a smartphone and be like, that's technology. We may look at that and be like, that's just a phone or whatever. Because a uh, fire is technology. Yeah, exactly. So like technology that. is always evolving. So like to, to to describe it as like this one, it's just, I think maybe perhaps it's You're easier. You're missing the forest for the trees. Yeah, exactly. Like, if you describe it as a thing. Yeah, it's not a, like, it's not a noun for me. It's more of like this like action that gets like, like, Um, I'm really into finance a lot these days, and so like I like looking like uh, economy, like macroeconomies and things like that. And um, so like Ray Dalio, uh, some people, you know, matter of opinion on what you know Ray Ray Dalio, but he 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 talks about like the like the the lifeblood of economies are productivity. So like productivity is what um, drives economies. Um, because, and if you think about it, like on a a more like personal level, like if, um, it, it yields, it yields you to be able to consume other people's productivity yields consumption for you. And so what technology does is technology is this deflationary force that, um, that increases productivity gains through efficiency gains. And so, you know, you used to, you used to like have to like write a letter and, you know, send it to a mailman or like or a horse and it has to take like five days. Right. So the efficiency there is five days. Now you can literally just send a text message and it's there like in less than a second. So the efficiency is, is really what drives the productivity game, which, which, which is like the, driven by technology.
1: Yeah. You know, when I, I associate, I mean, I, I can, I personally like to inter swap like technology with just the word evolution. You know, it's like, yeah, it's, it's what drives evolution in my mind. It's like us humans creating things that are in our head to, drive like you said some kind of incremental efficiency gain
0: what about what about people who think that take a negative view on technology because you you think to some extent there's people who believe that you know the old way is the better way to do things what is your what would you say to those people who think you know technology advancing at the rate it is is a negative thing for society rather than a positive thing
2: yeah i mean it's it's a balance right like um one man's tool is another man's weapon Mm -hmm. So like um you know like the famous Oppenheimer Oppenheimer quote uh, after he built the atomic bomb bomb he's like I'm the destroyer of worlds type of thing. So you got to be careful with technology because it it can be applied as a weapon. But um I think the the discussion there is less so about technology because um if if you're talking about like human's misuse mis like causing harm on other humans and you're in your talking about through the lens of technology you're kind of like missing the point like you're kind of like looking at you're looking in the wrong direction like that's more of like a cultural thing like and it's like you know like we should all be empathetic and like we should you know we should love each other type of thing
1: I wanted to lead up to artificial intelligence um, which you said you like you you said in college you did a research project on this um, and wanted to dive into it so give us your definition of technology of of AI rather because we've talked about this on the
2: show several times but what's what's your definition yeah, so AI. My definition is like there's a threshold where it's just like the Turing test for me, which is pretty basic. Like if you can't tell that it's a machine, then it doesn't matter. Like, um, which I don't know. Have you guys ever seen Westworld?
0: Yeah, yeah. Westworld used to be one of my favorite shows. Yeah, Westworld.
1: Idea. And then what's the sh- what's the movie um, with the the guy that goes off? Ex his, Machina. Ex Machina. Oh, yeah. that one's that crazy too. Awesome. Yeah, yeah that's wild.
2: so yeah, more like. My perspective is if you can't tell the difference, then it doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, so AI—I I, want to go into pretty deep with AI stuff. Um, yeah, and I want—I want—we I can talk about Tesla too. But so modern AI, most of modern AI is based off of the idea that um, you, you build like a computer model that essentially simulates the way the brain works. Um, so most people don't know this, but. A neural net was like, uh, like dis- uh, discovered and inv- invented, whatever, like in like the '70s or the '60s. Like neural nets have been around a long time. Um, and the way a neural net works is you have a series. It's essentially like a giant matrix multiplication, and you have a series of weighted parameters, and it's all about ac- action potential. So if you fire enough information into one like node, then it will fire or it won't fire. Right? That's how the brain works. And so you can just represent that in code as well. Um, and so, but the problem with that is like matrix multiplications are extremely computationally expensive. And so, like up until the past decade, we we never had the hardware to support like mass neural networks. They're called deep neural neural, neural networks. Um, and so th- there was actually use cases prior to this for for very small multi multi layer perceptrons. That's what they're called, multi layer perceptrons um such as like recommendation systems they're actually really good in recommendation systems for something interestingly whereas like computer vision uses a different model which is like um you still it's still a giant like neural net but it's a slightly different like it's just a different model and then there's also with neural nets there's um there's there's a there's a model where you can have a temporal component so you can have a, a model that has a sense of memory um and so that's that's actually the one that really interests me that it can have that you can you can have a model which has a sense of you're feeding it data now but it's actually basing its calculations on the data you fed it 5 seconds ago you know combined with the current data
1: so it's it's always improving over time and it's the models the software models are baking that that in that memory you
2: yeah. always improve when the new data comes in it takes into account the old it takes it's it's used for specific applications so like time series models like it's, it's um so like um signals like could be noise or like electro signals are very time series dependent um computer vision is oh, video is time series dependent a picture is just a snapshot but if you have a video it's a series of frames so um so yeah it, well, so there's two parts of ai like modern ai there's like the model which is the neural net the deep neural net and again like it was really like those it was mostly graphics cards believe it or not it's actually interesting like nvidia yeah so what's interesting is how much how much has spurred off of the gaming industry oh it's so yeah, we should talk about the metaverse too we'll because about that, yeah. yeah that's big so um yeah it actually like nvidia essentially like is what caused this um and uh, the, the other thing about neural nets is data so you have to have You got to have a model that can be reactive and can learn on like the application that you're trying to do. So different models solve different problems. Um, The other thing is data. You got to be able to show it. This is correct. And this is incorrect. So basically the way it works is you, you have this model and you feed in a bunch of data. And then on the other side, you're constantly saying yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. And and then you're back propagating. Uh, It's a series of back propagation that actually trains the neural net. Um so that's like a little you know it's like supervised and unsupervised machine yeah. learning, right? So supervised is where you have like a it's called ground truth. It's either right. Yeah. It's yes yeah. or no. Yes or no. Yeah. Unsupervised is actually um unsupervised is kind of this wonky field in, in neural nets where um you don't actually tell it what's right or wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And but but you get really clever. So like there's this really Have you guys seen what's it called? Google's Deep Brain. Is it with
0: the brick breaker, and it's just like it figures out. You don't tell it that the objective of the game is to get it up there, or I guess you're giving it a score then. Deep
2: Mind. That's it is Deep Mind. That's what was. So that's actually um, reinforcement learning. So there's a third, there's
1: three. Spotify's algorithm that tells you your your daily um, playlist is
2: reinforcement learning. Yeah. So reinforcement learning is. you you do let it just like do its own you you let it do its own thing but you tell it like this is this is a winning thing and this is a losing thing feedback yeah it's like there's a game theory component to it um but the unsupervised like the true unsupervised i haven't i don't know of any like really useful applications for unsupervised learning but there's like some really really interesting like vision uh, applications for it like deep mind was
1: deep mind yeah so the netflix documentary i think it's on youtube too um go alpha go mm-hmm. so that was that was rather um unsupervised and they they basically taught a computer how to play go i think that that was supervised i don't know what they did well it, i think it was i thought it was unsupervised because there was an unlimited amount of, of plays there's that, probably some
2: component of it and and eventually it taught yeah. itself yeah yeah go is a, like a a ground that happened in my senior year of college and that was like everybody's like that well, was I well it just wasn't supposed to happen that. for
1: another like five to ten years yeah yeah and google did it um, so fast. I don't know of any great unsupervised learning uh, so applications either. Off it's the top of my head.
2: unsupervised learning. There's this really interesting model that I'll talk about. It's, it's just kind of fun where it's called a, a generative adversarial net. And so you actually always tell the model, no, you say, no, 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 no. But um, you're, you feed it in, like you feed in actually there's two inputs and then there's only one output. And one of the inputs is just random noise. And you actually train the model you, by telling it, no, the two inputs are actually adversarial playing a game against each other. And they, they like, they, they build this, like some, some form of like general intelligence. Like, uh, I don't know. It's that's
1: what, that's what AlphaGo did. Okay. Yeah. That's what that was. Yeah. Um, but I imagine some good unsupervised learning applications would be in like the cybersecurity space, you know,
2: given mm-hmm. it just raw data yeah, and like probably. recognizing patterns and then probably finance. Um, GPT-3, I think, is like a form of, but it's like a bi-directional uh, encoder. Yeah, I think that's a form of unsupervised learning as yeah. well.
0: Okay, so to kind of relate artificial intelligence back to these people who might think technology is a negative thing, I actually had like an hour-long conversation about this with my roommate okay. about where technology's heading. And he was like, Well, you know, we've got this big wave of automation and artificial intelligence coming. Like, how can you say that's a good thing when it's going to put, you know, thousands of people out of work from like, you know, people, truck drivers who are delivering things and all, of the, all of this? I was like, okay, overall, it's going to replace the jobs that are not great jobs to have anyway. And like, yeah, it's going to be a big disruptive force, but overall, humanity is going to be better off for it. And what's your take on that? Because, you know, I'm I'm tech savvy, but I don't have the kind of technology heavy brain like you have. Where do you see these kind of things going in terms of automation and this huge disruption that's probably inevitably coming? Um, is it going to be a good thing or is it, you know, is it going to have a pretty big effect on a lot of people? Yeah. So
2: it's definitely coming. Um I don't know. Are you guys aware of the Microsoft investment in Louisville? So yes. Microsoft, yes. yeah, mm-hmm. big AI investment because yeah, they're doing it because it's a heavy industry, their, legacy industry. Louisville's sitting. targeted for a lot of job yeah. disruption, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Manufacturing. There's a lot of manufacturing. Yeah. yeah. Um so yeah, I, I think my take is it's it's gonna it's it's inevitable. Like it's inevi- it's an inevitable force that you can't really stop. Um and I think that I think that a lot of people are in for a little bit of a rude awakening and it, disruption is destructive, but it's creative. Dis, like it's, it's creatively destructive. So like on the other side of it, the world is a better place, mm-hmm. but there is a certainly a rough patch that I think that, uh, that people will inevitably go through. Um, yeah, the, the only way that I that I've, that I can think of to like, um, remediate that, um, the discomfort that's going to be caused by that is just through education, right? It's mm-hmm. like cultural, like um, people just need to be aware that everything's going to be fine. Like this is this is intended, like where this is to make world the world better, not worse type of thing, right? Uh,
1: I actually don't have the faith in the education system to keep up. So I think that there's going to have to be some kind of government step in and I think it's going to be in the form of universal basic income. Um, you know, I, I obviously don't want to move towards a socialist society. I mean, if we have to for the sake of, you know what, you know, to keep people safe and to keep people, you know, living healthy lives, fine. Um, but ultimately, I think we're going to have to move towards, you know, some kind of universal basic income at some
0: point, just because of technology. Yeah, I, I agree with universal basic income, but I mean, that's, that's just, statement probably just kind yeah, of strong- I was or, like, oh, I'm uh, a
1: very strong capitalist, but yeah, yeah,
2: I can see where this is going. So the reality of this situation is, I think you're right. Yeah. Like, I don't I see think, where it's going. I don't think that it's avoidable. Yeah. Um, yeah. And... And it's, I think that you're, I think it's more as like a temporary stop gap and it could last generations. Mm-hmm. I'm not, like temporary could be a long time, yeah. <laughs> but I think that it's unavoidable. Um, technology, you can't stop, like it, you can't stop evolution, yeah. right? Like, that's, like to me, like
1: capitalism and, and evolution are like hand in hand. Like it's just like a, it's a economic model that, that in a lot of ways mirrors, finished. mirrors of what evolution is. Mm-hmm. But when we create these artificially intelligent scenarios through all kinds of different industries, you know, that's going to shock, you know, humans. We're not going to be prepared for that. In our education system, there's no chance in hell we'll be able to keep up with that. No, definitely not. (laughs) So, like, there's going to have to be some kind of step in. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that. And hopefully it's, you know, short term, but probably won't be, unfortunately. Yeah. The thing and, is,
2: when you start giving people money, yeah, then they're going to it, keep wanting. I mean, that's that literally happened
1: already. Yeah. Like that's it's happening that's now. happening it's so, so like, we are not beginning practice for that. Yeah. It's ramp up for uh, that. But people also realize, like, like, have to realize that when artificial intelligence comes and we get these major efficiency games, there's going to be more productivity. And so, like, Bill Gates has this theory and several other technologists have this theory that we'll have to tax the robots. So it's like, whatever extra efficiency there is due to the fact that the person's job has been automated... Tax that efficiency, and then give that back to the people. Right, like again, and tax like, the robots.
2: Yeah. Again, economies are based off productivity. Yeah. So if productivity actually increases, then everybody's life should actually be better. We just we just need to make sure that everybody's like taken care of. Like you can't just disrupt. And people.
1: let's let's transition to, to Tesla. But you know, I definitely just you know I definitely caught you off guard there. With you <laughs> like you know, you I do yeah. want to say in the short term, go into socialism. In the short term, uh, absolutely, as like, the debate's we, going on. You know, yeah, capitalism right. for a long time is going to be what we absolutely need. But I can see where this is heading, and I'm not. And you know, you have to be able to change your mind as time I, no, goes on. I, yeah, no, no, for sure. And I'm going to be able to accept if we have to move towards. You
0: know, I more don't think that's economy. an army I don't think that. Well, maybe towards the end of our lifetimes, but that would have to be where artificial intelligence is literally like most people have been completely displaced. Well, by.
1: let's uh, let's transition to Tesla here, because actually, people have no idea what's what's happening. People have no idea what's coming. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because uh, Tesla's about to turn a switch yeah. in the software, <laughs> and millions of cars on the road right now are going to be able to drive people around without a person in the driver's seat. That's yeah. going to happen in the next three years. In the we next, in the next three years. Process. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah okay. So, um, <laughs> yeah. This... And
1: once you do that, by the way, once, once transportation is automated, which Tesla's again about to do in three years, they're not going to be able to do it at scale because they're not going to be able to sell that many cars that fast. But once the infrastructure around technology or uh, transportation goes automated, there's millions of jobs right there. And at that point, socialism will have to step in like universal basic income with millions of like the amount of jobs that it requires some kind of transportation and rely on the transportation industry is millions. And the the economy is going to have to step in and help those people.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it's important to to, like view that perspective as like not placing a value add on that. Like socialism is good or bad. Like I think it's just a matter of we think this is going to happen. And so like awareness is like the best tool for leverage. Um, so yeah, Tesla. You <laughs> do you have a Tesla? By the way, you bought I do one. have a Tesla. When? I have a Model Three, I bought in May of 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, I a, actually let's
1: just to start with like, what are your thoughts on on the car? Like, oh, it's amazing. Yeah,
2: it's it's literally it's like it's kind of life changing, honestly. Which is you know a little like ridiculous to say, well, but I think so. I mean, but it's just like when you got your first iPhone and you're like oh my gosh. Yeah. You're like, I can do so many more things. And like, there is like, this is the future. There's an elegant simplicity to it. I'm sure. Yeah. I actually bought, I, I watched. So Tesla had an autonomy day, um, about a close to two years ago now, actually just like, so they recently had battery day. You guys are familiar with yeah. battery. Yeah. Yeah. So, but they had autonomy day about two, two years ago, which was the same thing before self-driving cars. Yeah. After I watched that, Literally a week later, I bought my Tesla. I was yeah. like, "This is you have." Yeah. To, it's like get in now type of yeah. thing. Um, and since then, uh, today, Elon
1: Musk mentioned that the cost of the software that comes with your car is going up.
2: Is going up, yeah. So, I mean, like, I'll I'll share this just because it's kind of fun. Like, I I I the ticket price for the model that I bought at the time was like forty five thousand, and as of next week, once they jack the price up, it'll be like the ticket price for the same model will be fifty one thousand. So. The the value of my car technically appreciated to like to some extent. It, it, it's a the little physical
1: r- asset, didn't necessarily. Yeah, like the, the value it produces. It's, it's
2: ridiculous to say that the physical asset asset actually appreciated it because it didn't because I used it and that's depreciation. But the software actually appreciated. Yeah, but they're packaged together. So they're you packaged view together them as one thing. Yeah. But, it, yeah, if I sell my car, the software goes with it. It doesn't stay with me. Um, th- I mean that's a little ridiculous, but like there is there is a scenario where um, Tesla robotaxi does exist where I can rent my car out just like an Uber and it just goes out and drives itself and makes me 35 grand a year. And so like, that's an income and like, I don't even have to do anything. Like it's literally just doing all the work for me It's a robot. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so the, the, I don't think people really grasp the robotaxi is actually going to happen. So first off, Self-driving cars have been like, they've been trying to build self-driving cars for 10 years now. It started in 2010 with Google. Like Waymo is actually where it started. And um, incredibly difficult problem to solve because the real world is a very messy place. And like in high stakes game, you're going to 70 miles an hour. If you if you one little mistake, people die, right? So very difficult problem to solve. Um, Fortunately, during that same time, we've had electric vehicles come up um which are inherently like more technologically capable. Um and then at, at the same time we've had this artificial intelligence come up, right? And so you have this like it's just like this perfect storm where Tesla is equipped to to solve this problem. I'm not saying that it's it's an easy problem to solve. It's very difficult uh google's uh, how much how much funding has waymo gotten billions probably well, yeah, i mean they've got a blank check yeah a literal blank check. Yeah. i mean it's of like the manhattan project just, like they <laughs> could just take all
1: their ads money and just dump yeah. it over there which is billion hundreds of billions of dollars yeah
2: um and Waymo is actually, I mean, Waymo has a good solution, but it's a specific solution.
1: It's like uh very local. It's, it's local. Specific streets. It's specific cities. It's not general. Yeah. The problem similar. that they, I think that Google messed up is they didn't manufacture their own cars. They partnered with Tesla, with uh, Chrysler. Yeah, exactly. And they didn't build the whole
2: platform. If, you, if you're if you not vertically integrated like that, you, you don't have as much leverage and you can probably still solve the problem, but it takes way more capital and way more time. Yeah. Um, so you, you're competitive. advantage. It's an integrated vertical system, like you said, and yeah. all of
1: those pieces and components have to be talking to each other for the safety, for the efficiency, yeah. and you know for for the computer. You know the, yeah. the compute, you know, the it has compute to power. get the data yeah. from all the different components of the car to make sure that it's making the right you know moves on the road.
2: Yeah. So like Waymo has Waymo has a solution where they use lidar, camera. They, they use a lot of different sensors, um, and and they have a lot of hard coded things. At what's what I call hard coded. So they, and they also use like HD maps. And so they're constantly mapping the environment and they're kind of, they're actually driving somewhat based off of a digital map. And so that's kind of scary if you think about it, like they're not actually, they see the, re, the real world and they're responding to it, but you shouldn't have a dependency on something that isn't reality. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and so t- Tesla solution is just hundred percent vision, right? So they're taking yeah video cameras. They have eight cameras around the car, one in the back, four on the side, three in the front have they have a radar up front too, but the radar is primarily just for like uh, distance monitoring. It's not really like there's not much AI going into that. Um, so I mean it's just like really funny to me because so many people dog on Elon for like for the um, and like the argument is so simple it's it's this. So I drive today and I have two eyes. I have two eyes and they both operate in the same direction. I can't even change them to operate in different directions. And so I just use my vision and I'm able to drive, you know, from level to Lexington. Actually my Tesla drove most of the way, <laughs> but you know, you get my point. And so uh, a Tesla has eight, you know, eyeballs, so to speak. And they're, and they're in different directions too. So um, if like, that argument is very simple and if you, if to, to bet against that argument is to bet against software and look at what's so, like, look at GPT, GPT three, right? Like you, Software is going to eat the world, regardless of if you believe it or not. Like, it, it's just that's the nature of the, of the beast.
1: And, and the robots. And so back to the, like the robot taxi thing. Yeah. That's happening like in
2: the next like like we said probably three or four years. Yeah. So this the timing of this podcast is very interesting because they just released their full self driving beta, and so like they've had to rewrite their full self driving stack. So they've had autopilot for like five years, six years, something like that. Autopilot just really simple. Like it steers like on highways for you, and, but it doesn't do like, like this a lot. So a- Andre Carpathy is actually the director of engineering of, of AI, director of AI at Tesla. And um, I- I've been following Andre since college. Like, so when I was studying AI in and, and my senior year of college, Andre, even back then, he was the man. So like he, he was a, he went to Stanford, I think, and stopped, you know, he taught like the Stanford courses and he was always like this. I encourage everybody to go watch a talk by Andre because he's, his mind, I think his mind thinks 10 times faster, faster than the typical human being. He talks and it's like, and he's, he's actually a really good talker too, but he talks so quickly and it's just like, this guy is a genius. And Elon's almost like the
1: opposite, but he's extreme. Like Elon, like gets in his own way when he talks yeah he's really awkward talker but i think that's because his mind moves so fast it sounds like this guy is able to just get
2: it all out he can't like communicate he can't like articulate it yeah he's like he's more like an artist whereas like andre's like this like articulated scientist where it's like boom 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 yeah um okay so we're like full circle but the the um so they andre has been working to rewrite the full self-driving sack like the last 18 months like it's a long time which is no, I mean, that's a huge injury. Massive that's, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so just like yesterday or two days ago, they released it to like a very small amount of beta testers. And there's already videos. Have you seen the videos? Oh, man, you got, I'll share the videos later. Um, so it's amazing. Like you, so on, on a Tesla, you have like a, a visualization of your car in three dimension from like a third person perspective. And it actually shows you like surrounding cars too. So in this full self driving beta, it actually renders like a three dimensional. Well, it doesn't render the world, but it sh- it, it builds a three D world for you, and so it shows you like even things that that you almost can't see. It 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 like it predicts that it, it exists there. So um, yeah. Anyway, like a few days ago, they released this beta, which is like it's looking very promising. I'll put it that way. Um, and so p- people have been like dogging on. Tesla and full stop driving for a long time, um, but inevitably it's going to happen. And I think what's going to happen is, I think they're going to have to go through one more major iteration, just like we just had uh, today or yesterday. And I think that I think that this next iteration will be quicker because they can they don't have to rewrite the entire thing. They've they've kind of set themselves up for it, I think. And I think it's going to take about twelve months for them to get there. I think by this time next year, you're going to have Teslas on the car that are fully capable of driving with no human in the car around everywhere.
0: This time next year. This time
2: next year. Um, I mean, it's a speculative prediction, right? Right. Could right. be wrong, but that's yeah. that's my take. That's yeah, that's, yeah, that's awesome. And I think that it'll take about six months for you to get, like, legal um, regulation passed. And then six months later, they'll launch robo taxi service beta. It might take may take three years to get like here. I think everybody is
1: concerned about the regulation part, but I'm not. It's just data. It's math. No, it's, like, yeah. How many accidents are prevented? And it's like yeah. not even like it's just dumb. Mm-hmm. Like we're gonna go from millions of accidents and, and millions of deaths down to basically zero. And if there is a death, it's probably because of a person doing something dumb. Yeah, like not the computer.
2: Yeah, governments don't op act in this like sinister way where they're like playing favorites and like, they're like, we're scared of technology or like, like obviously there's like lobbying and stuff like that. But like in reality, governments like follow what the data says. And so like, yeah, people are worried that like, it's just like <laughs> people are like, people are a little afraid of like cryptocurrencies right now. Right. Cause they're like, Oh, this is like scary thing. Um, but it's like, once you see the full, once eventually people get past that fear, Right, like we talk about technology being like this, like a lot of people are frightened by it. It doesn't take long for people to get past that, and then like you know, it just becomes like the reality, like that's just like the normal thing. Yeah, I mean, um, when
0: somebody can open a Tesla and drive to Louisville with, while sitting on their computer the whole time, they're like, oh, this is this is sick. So like, that's, I'm not it, scared. It literally <laughs> takes one drive, <laughs> you know, and then
2: they're for convinced.
1: Sure. No, for yeah, sure. We did that, but yeah. you know, to wrap up the AI conversation, um, I, I I think people don't realize actually how you know prevalent it is already like every time you open your phone is actually artificial like you're mm-hmm. every time you open your phone and use an app you're interacting with some kind
2: of artificial intelligence
1: 99% of the time probably mm-hmm. spotify artificial intelligence google
2: artificial intelligence F- facebook artificial intelligence well, i mean even the even your phone's camera whenever you take a picture yeah. it's applying yeah uh, it's it's actually making the picture better by applying ai
1: yeah like even when you're not using like the screen your phone many apps are tracking you and that's going into a machine learning algorithm that is determining what kind of ads
0: you get later? All right, so this is a good question that I'm not sure I know the answer to, but I think our viewers would appreciate. What is, what's the main difference between like an algorithm and like machine learning and artificial intelligence? Yes, that's
2: a great question, yeah.
0: So an algorithm is
2: deterministic. So for a given input, you get an output. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also typically like very, it's like tractable in nature for like an engineer can comprehend it. They can, they can dissect it and they can understand that why something occurred, a machine learning model is statistical, so it's probabilistic, so um it's it's actually non deterministic There's no way to actually debug a machine learning model. I mean there's like hacks for you to like make you make things better, but there's no way to identify why it behaved the way it did, which is part of the it's part of the fear it's actually part of the there's a legal argument um which is that if you can't identify why something happened, then how can it be legal? Right. Um, I mean I think that's a little out there, but um there's like certainly discovery to be done there. Yeah. Gotcha.
0: Okay, so you're saying there's like a prob where like one input does lead to an output with an algorithm with artificial intelligence, like it could it has a probability of leading to different different
2: yeah, different outputs. scenarios. Okay. Yeah. I mean it's not I that's that's I think that's a lay way of understanding it. I think right, that's more, probably dumbed down for me. <laughs> well, I think I think more importantly is like you can't you don't understand why it's happening. Okay. Yeah.
1: Let's hammer through some of these these questions I wanted to ask you. Just general questions. Rapid fire. Um, rapid fire here. So thoughts on uh, Joe Rogan? Uh, you and I talk about Joe Rogan. Yeah, frequently.
2: Joe. I I really like Joe Rogan. Um, Joe's a Renaissance man. He's been he's done a lot of things in his life, and I think that's admirable. I think he's gained a lot of wisdom from that. Um, more importantly, the most important thing about Joe Rogan is that he has a sense of humor. He's able to most people. Um, when they when they're ultra successful they get very caught up in like their ego (laughs) it's like it's hard to laugh at yourself joe is constantly making fun of himself right and it makes him relatable and so what what the genius of joe rogan is that he's able to take these like very uh distant issues to people and bring them to them and make it like understandable for them. um and and he also has fun while he's doing it right and so that's that's you know he has a lot. Everybody has things that they say that you know it's questionable, right? But um, I just think that his character is extremely admirable.
1: For me, it's like free speech. Yeah. Um, I think the fact that I, I personally think that he's one of the most important people in media today. I think he might be the most important person yeah, in, in media the today. Most, yeah. Because he takes two polarized ideas, gets them together, and like actually has a conversation. Yeah, it's amazing. Like it's really it's like, hard to do. And I think to your point, like it almost has to be a comedian to do that because the comedian gets you out of. Almost anything you say, if you make it funny, yeah, exactly. That's really important. If
2: you say something wrong, just make a joke about yeah, it. Yeah, you know? because like
1: <laughs> at that point, like the world needs comedy. Otherwise, like the society, like you're not going to have conversation. It gets Free way too open conversation. It gets way speech. too serious. People, yes. people get
2: hostile. Like Joe, I don't know. if There's a Joe has a buddy, Duncan Trussell, and they do stuff on the podcast, which is like we, you know, you wouldn't do on this podcast, but those two are hilarious and they are very they're kind of distant they're different people but they love each other like they're just like there's so much love at the table and um yeah i mean i think
1: like the whole recent like spotify thing you know the the trans um transgender you know episode he had and they all got offended like it's just ridiculous and the fact that it's you know it's it's good that it's him and it's good that he's bringing light to like all these things and, like, he has to bring out all perspectives. Because if you don't, you go down rabbit holes, the society probably shouldn't go down.
2: Yeah. um, Yeah, and, it, like, the free speech thing is, like, um, it's, like, kind of a tricky subject. Like, private companies, you know, like, can restrict free speech. Like, they're, I'm allowed to tell you, like, to leave my house. Yeah. Right? That's, like, a form of me restricting your free speech. Um, So there's, like, there's a huge discussion to be had there. But, like, the moral story is, like, Joe does such a good job at, like, like we need to have discussions about the far reaches of like the human experience because they're real and like if we just ignore that they don't exist we're doing all everybody a disservice. Absolutely, uh,
1: you almost segwayed into uh, perfectly into one of the, the places we want to go. Let's do it. Um, which is uh, the first question I'll ask is is the government in its current state capable of regulating technology? No. Okay. Absolutely okay. not. Yeah. We can cut it short there because I think everybody can agree with that. Uh, there's a lot of incompetent people when it comes to technology in the government. It's really sad. You know, the president tried to get a committee around him of smart, technologically advanced and people like left. Elon and Bill, yeah. and they all left because <laughs> lots of reasons, <laughs> mostly because Trump's just a complete you know. idiot. Yeah. Um but, yeah.
2: I mean, I, I think for for governments, like you, like our government is made up of lawyers, right? Yeah. And so, like, yeah. there's like some—they're not all lawyers, but a vast majority of them are lawyers. You gotta have, te- you gotta have a like, you gotta span the diversity. Ent- you gotta, you gotta you have gotta diversity. Like mirror, yeah. any, uh, the population, the population, yeah. of government. You can't it it just, just be all happen. lawyers. It's like, ridiculous. put some, put some so doctors sad. up there, put Anyways,
1: some teachers. You know? Uh, so that leads to Facebook and Twitter. Uh, earlier, you said you know private companies can you know, regulate what happens on their platform, but.
2: Facebook and Twitter. First question: Are they publishers or are they platforms? Are they platforms? Yeah, I think they're. I think they're both. Uh, is is the answer? Like the thing is, you're you're allowed to. The the publisher conversation is is very interesting, but I don't feel like I'm, I'm I can really provide a deep insight there. But uh, uh, like, a, like a private company is allowed to regular, Like they're allowed to censor speech, but there's going to be backlash. Like that's a part of the system. Like if people don't like that, then it's going to be less valuable. There's there's a, there's a argument to be made that it's actually, um, economically strategical for Facebook to censor something. They're going to make more money because of it. you know, that's like, that's the system. That's competitive nature. Um, where I think that the tech companies have like really opened up a huge can of worms Is that the government is about to smack down on all of them. Like the government is going to come in and just like, it's going to be, I'm fine with that. Yeah. I mean, it's all part of the process, right? Yeah. I'm I'm not huge
1: on like government. I'm I'm big on small government, but in the case of like Facebook and Twitter and democracy and like censorship, those companies I I, I don't think those companies should be censoring. I don't think they should be allowed to censor unless the public has a say in how they censor. Yeah, like so, Facebook. So your stances—they is... they, they definitely lean like they clearly lean liberal.
2: Facebook? Like, yeah, both of them. Well, Facebook Twitter Twitter, Twitter is very. Facebook is more central, in my opinion. Well, but...
1: you know, what happened, you know, like the example that we listened to the All In podcast with Chamat. Oh, yeah. And somebody brought up a great which point amazing, on that, yeah. that particular podcast, which was when uh, Trump's taxes were leaked, hacked. Nobody said anything. Nobody censored that. Yeah, totally but the agree. second that uh, Hunter Biden's emails are either hacked or stolen or left in a. Uh, laptop repair shop and then that gets leaked they, which they, was a it's they same story they censor that yeah. because that's more conservative um, benefiting yeah. and they didn't censor anything to do with Trump's taxes mm. and so like that's happened over and over again a lot of the people that are banned off the platform are mostly conservative but you know I'm here nor, nor there like when it comes to like am I conservative or Democrat like don't care
2: I mean the thing is like first off they are publishers if they do that yeah, that's they the are. Re- yeah, and, and so if you're a publisher you're going to be regulated yeah. pretty pretty heavily um, but yeah, I mean, Twitter is very, very like explicitly like liberal. Um, Facebook, I agree, they've they've made liberal maneuvers, but I think that it's actually a, an economic strategy. I don't think that they're it's doing monetization it. For yeah, it's for monetization. For it's basically so.
1: just let's get the right ads in front of the right people. And um, unfortunately, you know, sometimes that involves some sort of censoring or or it's not even censoring, it's like slowing down the spread of particular
2: types of information. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, this is like the whole moral of the podcast, which is like the technology is moving way faster than people can account for. And people are afraid of it. Yeah. Like
1: when like Zuck and um, Jack Dorsey both come out and said, when we started these companies, like we had no idea like we'd be where we are now, like influencing elections. And like you, so you can't really get down on them. You can't like talk shit about Mark Zuckerberg. It's not it's not about like the or humans. Shoot. It's about yeah. like the
2: ideas. Like we're yeah. discussing the like the the abstractions. Yeah. yeah.
1: All right. Uh, last question here. We always try to bring it back home. Uh, pros and cons of being in Kentucky.
2: Yeah. So Kentucky's my home. Um, you know, my old Kentucky home. Um, I think that there's a lot of untapped talent in Kentucky. I think that. I think that it's. Um, I don't see that as. I don't see people um, sort of neglecting that as a bad thing. I see it as an opportunity, um, and and so, yeah. I mean, I, I also think I'm, I'm sort of really interested in geography. Like, I really like like where things are located, and I think that Kentucky has a very strategic geography um that part of us knows that too yeah yeah and so and in the way like the history of our state how we're a commonwealth if you look at a map and you look at like even indiana the roads in indiana very far apart straight lines if you look at the roads in kentucky thousands of roads i mean so many roads and they're all over the place which indicates to me that like we're a community type of place like we, we want to like you know go see our neighbors type of thing down the holler yeah exactly <laughs> and i that's you know that's like you know i'm long people